Hi, I'm Joel. This is the Creativity Pulse podcast, a podcast where we dive into the cool waters of creativity and cruise around some creative thinking, evolution of ideas, and innovation that currently exists in a variety of industries and businesses, big and small. I chat with my guests about their life and business and their approach to creativity. The guests share some of their methods and techniques with us so we can try and understand how some of the more creative people around us go about being, well, exactly that, more creative. For those of you just joining us, let me explain how things work. There's a weekly episode with a guest lasting between 15 and 20 minutes. There's then a series of three episodes. They're really interesting people and my idea, initial idea anyway, of two episodes meant the episodes were getting to be a marathon of listening. There is also a takeaway with the third guest episode. This summarizes the whole conversation with some creative ideas linked in. It includes some insights to help you exercise, flex and build your creative mental muscle. You'll also find some information on the website that helps you do this. Check out the creative ideas generators, for instance. Okay, here we are on the Creativity Pulse podcast again. I've got another fascinating guest with me. Who are you? Where are you from? And what do you do? I'm Jason Kennedy. I'm currently living in Georgia in the United States, and I work with curriculum and instruction with a school district here in Georgia. Wow. Okay. Do you teach? Do you, are you an administrator? Right. It's a, it's a new role I've actually moved into, but I have 20, going into my 23rd year in education. Uh, I taught for about 15 or 16 years and then moved into some school level administrative roles. And then now recently, as of, you know, this week, uh, moved into a district level, um, curriculum instruction type of role where I'll be guiding those decisions at the district level for multiple schools. That must sort of fall into your sort of desire to change education or further education? Absolutely. The other exciting thing happening to me this week is uh, my book will actually be shipping out from Rutledge Publishing. It's uh, Let's Stop Teaching and Start Designing Learning, which is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a mind shift mindset shift for a lot of our educators and uh, because we weren't taught that way. We didn't experience the classroom um, in the way that, that we really need to change it into because uh, you know, the job is learning. Uh, the job isn't teaching. And so uh, it's just, it's not more work. It's not harder work. It's just different work when we uh, change our uh, perception, when we, when we walk into that classroom. I mean, you must have found I came into teaching when I was I sort of early 40s, 41, 42, maybe. Um, I'd had a whole career in business before then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been started off in sort of sales and moved into business consulting. And um, so I taught business and economics in the end. I think I found many schools to be quite familiar with what I'd sort of experienced when I was young. Um, I went to school in the UK, but also, as we've discussed prior to um, recording, the I grew up in sort of Houston and New York. And so I've had sort of experience of quite a number of education systems. Um, do you think that education is modern 
our content and our technology in the classroom might be modern, but really we are operating, you know, on a outdated industrial type of model when we're coming to, uh, when we're speaking purely of what happens in the classroom daily. You know, we have a classroom full of students enter. Uh, we have them for eight hours and they quote unquote do work and, you know, are productive and we assess that work and then we hand it back to them and we do it all again the next day. And that might've worked well when most of our population needed to work in a factory for eight hours or do one thing over and over and again. But we, you know, you, you look at what businesses want now and it's collaboration, creativity, uh, problem solving, critical thinking, a lot of the things that we, you know, don't necessarily design our classroom experiences around on a daily basis. We might every once in a while, but uh, if we really want to think about, you know, I've heard lots of educators where well, we're just getting them ready for the real world. And, uh, you know, I, I know I, I would love to go find the, the real world business that has someone come sit down at a desk and complete a worksheet, you know, multiple times for eight hours a day and then turn in, turn that in and get a paycheck at the end of the week. So, uh, you know, it's just, again, it's, it's thinking about what we've been doing is we've been teaching, but did we ever really check to see learning was happening? And that's really the goal of education is because, you know, at, at some point they're going to leave my classroom. And are they going to leave the content that, you know, we, uh, you know, engaged in on the classroom for when they leave, or are they going to be able to be learners after they leave me? I would find it fascinating going to work and then someone saying, well, we're going to give you a test. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Joel, you got a uh, 70% and therefore you only get uh, 50% of your salary this month. Exactly. Um, I guess I used to be in sales, so I guess that's actually how that happens. You know, whether you sell anything, you don't sell anything is uh, is how that sort of works. But I mean, if you could start from scratch, if you could literally take everything and sort of shift it off the table and start with a big blank piece of paper today, you mentioned the industrialized sort of view of education. And again, my experience of education, it's very much based on almost a Victorian sort of view of it all. Uh, if you could start with that blank piece of paper, what would you do? It, it really goes back to, well, it's, it's just a big, you know, self-repeating cycle. It's because, uh, you know, my experience in college, you know, I, um, I went and I was fed content, content, content. You know, I was a secondary education uh, ELA or English major. So, you know. 90% of my classes were literature classes uh, and writing classes and, and composition and uh, not one course in college that I have that really uh, was about learning. You know, I had professional experience when, you know, going to a school and having practicum and things like that. But, but then again, that was just more of the same that I experienced sitting in the classroom as a student. So if I were to start with, you know, from the scratch, it would have to start at the college level where we're training these, you know, future educators and, and really it's, it's going to have to completely up in the system for them to create a whole new classroom uh, experience for a whole new generation. That way, if we do have future teachers coming up through, you know, our public education system, they will know what, it, you know, that it looks differently. So, um, 
you know, I would much like you said, you, you entered the education world after being in the business world and, and here in the United States, and I'm sure around the world after COVID, you know, we have a lot of teachers who are, have left the profession and who are also not entering the profession. And so we have a, a tremendous amount of, of teachers who are coming from different places, uh, you know, background wise. And so we have to, you know, it's funny that research shows that, you know, content knowledge only gets us about a half a year, less than a year's worth of learning growth as far as teacher goes. So I would, I would much rather, you know, I've been working and training teachers, you know, for the last six or seven years, I would much rather have a teacher who never went to college or never experienced that traditional teacher training uh, and was just ready to soak some new things in and ready to change and ready to, uh, you know, just someone green. I can take that person and mold them pour into them and, and let them experience success on a different level than a 35 year veteran who's been doing, you know, this industrial kind of sit and get education, you know, for decades. I think that um, you've mentioned uh, a load of issues there. Um, I'm sort of going to do these backwards. Uh, nice. I did a, an engineering and business degree, which was quite revolutionary 40, 35, 40 years ago now. Um, people were amazed. Wow, you actually go into a factory and use the equipment. We were like, that's sort of what engineers do. You know, you don't exactly. learn to swim by reading a book. Um, do you think, one of my key questions here, do you think teachers should work outside of education before they're allowed to actually teach in order to get very vocational experience to go back to one of the things that you've said before to learn how to learn? Um, they sort of figure that out themselves maybe and therefore can bring that into the classroom. I mean, it, 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 it would not hurt at all uh, for teachers to experience something outside of the classroom and, and, you know, like I said, we use that excuse where we're preparing them for the real world. I think a lot of teachers have, you know, just to survive. We 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 go out and get, you know, for example, I work in HR while I was going to college being a teacher. So I had some different experiences as well. Um, but just we just need to recognize how much learning takes place in our modern everyday world and in our jobs uh, because none of us go into a job knowing how to do it. You know, we have an education and we have maybe experience, but we go into a job at whatever company or whatever type of employment it is. And there's a learning curve always, uh, no matter how much background knowledge you bring to it. And so uh, we have to have the ability to learn. And, and, you know, I think about a lot of our college kids. I have, you know, two in college right now. And they're having to learn how to learn because they were sitting in a classroom and fed information. And then when we, you know, send them off to university or college, um, it's just lecture, lecture, lecture. Here's the information. Now you figure out the rest. And that's, that's why a lot of our college uh, age kids struggle so much in those first year or two because they have to really learn how to learn and, and what they discover which is ironic is, oh, I, I learn best when we get together with a study group and we collaborate and we communicate and do all these things that we really weren't, weren't built into the daily, you know, activities in the classroom. 
I think that's what I've been doing the business and economic side of things. You do actually get a lot of that scope. You're not, um, okay, it's a full curriculum, of course, but it's not, say, like physics where you've got to sort of drive forward every day with your sort of lessons in order to get to the end where they're able to actually sit an exam. I spend a lot of time actually just having a lot of sort of Socratic debates with them. You know, what do you think about this? If you were the president of Argentina, how would you figure out, you know, what to do with your economy? Um, do you think that there's a sort of a place for that in every curriculum in order to modernize it? Absolutely. You know, we have to have, we have to grow uh, a generation who can communicate with one another and have discourse and have disagreement uh, with, in a constructive way and not a destructive way. Uh, and going back to what you were saying, you know, about you going into your, your factory and using the equipment, uh, that goes back to the heart of what learning and te- you know, versus teaching is, you know, uh, I ask my teachers when we talk about when, when is learning happening in your lesson? Is it in the opening? Is it in your instruction? Is it in the work session when the students are working? They all say it's in the work session. The, the learning is in the doing. The learning is not in the receiving information. The learning is happening when, when I take new information and encode it, however that looks, uh, into what I already know and work with already. And so, you know, just like when you enter a new job in a new factory or a new building, there's new equipment, new processes that you have to, you know, incorporate into what you already know. And that's what learning is. I fully agree with you there. Do you, I've always looked at it in this way and please tell me your view on this. How do we actually assess that in a meaningful way that others value? You know, as a teacher myself, I can go, look, these three students are really getting it. These three over here are sort of getting it. And these three just have no idea what's going on. But how do I articulate that in a way that others outside of the classroom understand that ranking system, maybe? Right. You know, assessment's just an, it's an ugly word to a lot of people, you know, because what tends to happen and what does happen is, okay, we, we give an assessment and then that assessment results in data and that data and here's the the dark side of data, if you want to call it anything, is we take that data and we label a student. We label a, a kid. When in reality, that that label, that, that data doesn't tell me anything about the kid. It tells me everything about the learning that I designed for that kid in the first place. You know, because we teach learners, we don't teach labels. So, you know, we have a lot of money and a lot of other bureaucracy tied to assessments. Uh, but assessments does not have to be something that results in some kind of percentage score or anything else. An assessment is just, you know, a demonstration of, of what you are able to do, your ability in a certain task skill. Uh, and so, you know, I find that making the students part of that assessment process as much as possible is one of the best ways to, um, you know, help communicate that. It's, uh, you know, providing a picture of what success looks like for whatever we're learning today. You know, if our learning is, you know, I can solve a two-step equation. You know, what is a successful solution to a two-step equation look like? What are, you know, what's something concrete that a student can look at and say, you know what, this is where I am. This is what success looks like. Where, where do I need to grow? Where are my connections I need to make? And then if I've done my job in designing some learning for them, I've provided them tools that they can go access 
and pull themselves out of their own misconceptions or misunderstanding. Now, that's not to say I'm not present and guiding them through that at times, you know, especially for the ones where you said these kids really aren't getting it. Well, that's my small group that I'm with really intensive, intensively remediating, you know, to get them to a level where they can access tools and, and, you know, assess their learning. But if I give a success criteria up front for a certain task that research says our kids know 40 to 60% of what we're already teaching them when, when they arrive to the room. So I have kids that will run with it if I give them success criteria. And for those kids, I need to have some kind of pathway where they can go deeper and enrich while I remediate with this. And then everyone else in, in, you know, in the middle are working through collaborating, you know, problem solving, whatever the task is that I have. And, um, you know, an assessment, a, a lot of data you can keep on a kid doesn't have to be that quantitative number in a grade book or on a, an assessment. It can be just notes and jotting down and observations through conversations you're having with these kids as, as they're, you know, doing the learning. I had a conversation with a colleague once and uh, we were sitting in a meeting and the person chairing the meeting said, okay, we've uh, got the data here and we're going to do some big analysis and I put my hand up and I said listen you know I'm not a troublemaker but I'm going to uh, you know throw a spanner in the works here I said why are we uh, why are we doing this data you know analysis it's isn't it meaningless and she leant forward and she said Joel we're doing this because we have the data and I said that's the most depressing answer I think I've ever received with regards to you know this is children's education and our time um, and there's, you know, I believe there's better things I could be doing with my time. So I said, look, here's an exercise. Me and the guy sitting next to me are going to write down exactly the order of our students. And then we're going to spend 45 minutes doing this data and then we're going to make a comparison. And it was identical. And we wrote it down in 45 seconds and we spent 45 minutes using all of this data. Do you feel as if my point here isn't to berate other people doing their jobs, but do you feel as if the power of teachers has been um, stripped away through the usage of data and, you know, the possible standardization of, of education. Um, it's funny that you have that story because, um, yeah, the second or perhaps first now, you know, largest effect size uh, on learning is teacher reported grades, which is to your point, I know where my kids are and I could tell you within a certain degree of, of error, how well they will do on this next assessment before they ever take it. And that's, you know, three or you know, three years plus worth of learning potential in that alone. Uh, and, and what that tells me is, you know, your kids as an educator. So, you know, we have a curriculum. That's what we teach, who we teach, that's our kids and education, you know, it's at its core, its base is a relational transaction. I have to have relationship to build everything else on. And so if I know my kids, I know their data and I'm, and, you know, churning that, that standardized data, which in Georgia, you know, it's, it's one test, you know, per subject at, at, um, and one test on one day, if you want to call it anything else. And that, you know, is the result that, you know, scores 
our schools and our school's ability. And that's what's reported to the federal government and, and some other things. And so, um, you know, I, I always tell my teachers, you know, this is one test on one day. It does not define you as a teacher and doesn't define our children. Um, but it does give us a picture into what we can do better, you know, as educators, you know, where we need to focus on. Uh, I'm not saying the dad, the data doesn't matter at all. Uh, but you know, it, we just take ourselves too seriously sometimes when it comes to numbers and we, we really dehumanize this whole education thing when we, when we boil everything down to percentages and pie graphs. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to have a look at the website. You'll find some stuff to help you develop your creative abilities. I'm Joel. Who are you? Where do you come from? And what do you do?